Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered Word of God with the anointing of His Spirit. With subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny. Hello, everyone. I'm really glad that you joined Fire Talk Radio tonight, and we're just really excited to let you know that we're hosting a, it's called the Kingdom Gathering Bible Study, led by Dr. Frank Sumrall, and this is going to be an ongoing event every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and at some point tonight, uh, Brother Frank is going to lead us in communion, so please prepare accordingly. It's going to be an awesome night. Uh, Brother Frank, I'm going to turn this over to you as it is your Bible study, so please take your liberty in the Holy Ghost. Thank you so much, Deborah. Appreciate that. You're welcome. We're having a great time here, being blessed of the Lord. And so as we bring the Word of God tonight, we expect that miracles will happen. Sister Deborah was sharing with me that a person out there called in and said their headache was gone after prayer. Well, we thank the Lord for that, that there's no sickness, there's no pain that God can't heal and set free. I'm, I'm reading a particular scripture here. Turn with me to Psalm 76. Okay, uh, we, we will do that in just a minute. I want you to get time to look at that. We're going to have a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for hearts that are open, ears that are open, ready to receive your wonderful word. And that word will totally and wonderfully set us free. The word of God is our healer. Jesus is our healer. And he is called the word of God. And Lord, everything having to do in your Bible, in the truth, the truth has set us free. So we thank you, Lord, that the very action of God will take place tonight. We thank you in the wonderful, holy, precious name of Jesus. And we say amen. I wonder if you had turned to Psalm 76. We have a few verses to read there. And this is what it says in the King James. It says, in Judah is God known. His name is great in Israel. In Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. But notice what it says after that. That's when the power of God gives demonstration. There he breaks the arrows and the bow and the shield and the sword and the battle. That's a message in itself right there. We could go and preach off those words. But since we're not going to do that in specifics, we're going to talk about praise. Praise is the word for Judah. Judah means praise. And so as we discover that, understand it said, while we're praising God, he, God, breaks the arrows and the bow and the shield and the sword and the battle. And then it has the word selah, which means think about it. God put that word after there, selah. And it's, it's so powerful and wonderful and glorious that when we start praising God, watch what God does, how he heals, how he sets free, how he causes deliverances to come, and how the blessing of the Lord comes on us and overtakes us. We are reading and talking about the tabernacle of David. Now, as we know that David did not construct a tabernacle because David was a man of war. God said, no, I will not permit you to build my temple. He said, but I will permit your son Solomon to build the temple. And so we're looking here, Just I'm going to touch on this just a little bit. You can listen to it later on if you go back and listen to what we did last week or just a couple of days ago about the, no, it was last week, wasn't it, about the tabernacle of David. There are five major tabernacles from the Old Testament to the New, not including the Millennium Temple. The first one is the tabernacle in the wilderness. So the construction made there was given by God to Moses. And as that is mentioned, in Exodus chapter 40, and in verse 34 to 38. I want to read that. And so, as you turn to these particular scriptures, we're just going to touch on them just for a moment and go on to where we left off. In uh, Exodus chapter 40, Moses is having conversation with God, 
And Moses is declaring to God, says, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. In verse 34, this is so powerful and wonderful and glorious. It says, after all this had come together, and we're talking about when the temple came together, everything came together. The tabernacle in the wilderness he's talking about. The ark into the tabernacle, and all this is done. You find this in the verse, several verses here talking about that. After that happened, look at verse 34. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation. That's the Shekinah. That's the glory of God. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Friends, I've got news for you today. We can still have the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is not dependent on a box or not dependent on the Ark of the Covenant because the glory of the Lord resides inside of us. It's called the Spirit of the living God that lives in us. And the Spirit of the living God that lives in us is called His glory. We see His glory. We manifest His glory. We walk in the glory, the glory of the Lord. And most Christians, if you would ask them about glory, they would take you to Christmas time and they would say, oh, yes, that's what the angels said to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace could will toward men. That's the only area which they thought of glory at that point in time. But I got news for you. When you roll out of your bed in the morning and you put your feet on the floor, you can do a holy death before a holy God and have glory in your being. And then you take that day and you're crafted by the Lord. He causes you to move one way and move the other way and listen to what he says and who to talk to and, and who to bless and who to touch and everything that God has for you. That's the glory of God. And we can touch with us. And this is what I believe, in, in, and we will see through the Scripture, that praise goes up to God. Praise goes up to God. When we lift our hands and we praise him and worship, we praise him. Then what happens when that praise has been accepted, then God sends down to us the worship. Worship comes down from God to us. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a little while. And after we worship, then on the other side of the worship is the glory of God. So I tell you, it can't get any better. You're just the next door to heaven right there. When you walk in the glory of God, you're next door to heaven. And so our praises go up to God. And worship comes down from God. Now, what I'm talking about, we had a dedication of the church there in South Bend, Indiana. Brother Sumrall was not a singer. But he had in his spirit this song, I See the Glory of the Lord. He started singing that. We know that he had messages prepared for that day. But the Spirit of God took over the, the church. The Spirit of God, Christian sent. And what happened? He just started singing that. I see the glory of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the church, came inside the church. Now, one of the amazing things, no baby cried. There was no noise. We sat in a holy hush for over two hours. Nobody moving. And the glory filled the house. That's what it means when it says in different parts of the Bible that they could not enter because of the glory. We were inside the church, and the glory came in the church. It only happened that one time. It only happened at one time. I believe at that time, I believe the Lord was getting ready to take him home because it was around close to the time that he left and went in to be with the Lord in heaven. And so what we see about that now, let's look at this now. This is Exodus chapter 40, beginning of verse 34. A cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation. Why? Because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in their journey. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not until the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and a fire was on it by night in the sight of all. 
the house of Israel throughout all their journey. That is an amazing word. So that's the first one. That's the tabernacle in the wilderness. That the construction by Moses, they put it together, that was it. The second, of course, is Solomon's temple. You look at First Kings chapter 8. I'm just touching on these to give you a little background, then we're going to go on from there. First Kings chapter 8. And uh, this is the dedication of the temple. And so as he presents himself before the Lord, Solomon, he has this real extremely long prayer. <laughs> and, and you'll see how long it was. I mean, I mean, it was, it was quite a prayer. In the 8th chapter of 1 Kings, it talks about the dedication of the temple. This is called the Temple of Solomon, Solomon's Temple. And the amount to build that was into the millions of dollars. Amazing, totally amazing. One of the most beautiful things ever mentioned. And so he begins and he says to the Lord, he said, starting where he started talking about that, then it talks about the priests. Look at verse 10. It came to pass that when the priests would come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. That was the Shekinah of God's glory. And so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Then spake Solomon. The Lord said he would dwell in thick darkness. Surely I have built thee a house to dwell in and a settled place for you to abide in forever. And then he said in verse 15, he takes it all the way through. He tells all the history, talks about that. He said, here in heaven, talking about that, here in heaven, he keeps on saying that. And finally, close to the end of his prayer, and verse 54, <laughs> that's <laughs> close to 53 verses talking about the fact that his prayer was there. Then he said in 54, he said, when he made the end of praying this prayer, supplication of the Lord, he arose before the altar of the Lord, from kneeling on his knees with his hands that spread to heaven. And he blessed the congregation of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest to his people Israel. According to all that he promised, there hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses his servant. That's the beginning of it. And the reason Solomon built that temple was God wanted a place to put his name. God wanted a place to put his name. And the designation was that temple. And after putting it all together, David gave a personal, tremendous income of several millions of dollars. And Solomon, before that, he had sacrificed 22,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep. When they did that, when they were walking in obedience, walking in that prayer. And finally, God speaks to them and says, I will touch you. I will heal you. I will bless you. I will cause these things to come. And the blessing of the Lord shall and will come to you. And then notice what it said. Verse 66. On the eighth day, now that speaks of Passed on the eighth day, talking about the resurrection. It talks about eighth day is the day of resurrection. He sent the people away, and they blessed the king, and they went to their tents, joyful and glad of heart, for the goodness that the Lord had done for David his servant, and for Israel his people. That is an amazing thing right there. So first you have the tabernacle of the woodlands. That's in Exodus 40. Secondly, you have Solomon's temple. That's the first Kings chapter 8. And you see that the costs, even if, if, if calculated, were in the millions of dollars. A very ornate place. Then you have the temple called Zerubbabel's temple. You find this in Haggai chapter 1 verse 7. How it's just a house with glory. It said the desire of all nations. And then, of course, the temple that Jesus saw when he was on the earth was Herod's temple. Now, the reason Herod built that temple is that he tried to make political friends of the Jewish people by building them a temple. And so when they were talking to Jesus, 
And Jesus said, you destroyed this temple, and I'll raise it up in three days. And they said, wait a minute here. It took 46 years to build that temple. But he was not talking about the temple they looked at. He was talking about his own body. He said, you destroy this temple, and I'll raise it back up in three days. So that's Herod's temple. You find that in John chapter 2. And so where we were leaving off at, the tabernacle of David, look over here in the little book of Amos. Amos. Uh, Amos is close to the book of Obadiah. And it's amazing. Amos, this is in chapter 9 and verse 11. Chapter 9 and verse 11. And it said, in that day, that's a major point right there. In that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen. Huh. We're going to discover here in just a moment what the tabernacle of David is all about. It has fallen and closed up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins. And I will build it as in days of old. Now, did you know when God said that, then in the New Testament it says these same words in Acts 15 at verse 16. But here's one I want to bring to your attention that you might not have seen before. Look with me at Psalm 102 verse 18. And we have such an amazing word there. I'm telling you what, it is an amazing word. Psalm 102, and in verse 18, because this talks about what David's temple is about. So David's temple is the temple of praise. That's where it comes in at. David's temple was the temple of praise. As we see that through the scripture, it's so amazing. Look at verse 18. It said, this shall be written for the generation to come prophesying, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. Oh, put your damn shoes on right there. That means that every church, every place should be praising the Lord and rejoicing in his name and having victory and having blessing and walking in the glory of God and causing the good things of God to come upon us and the people will be attracted to come to where we're at. The attraction, it'll be like magnetism. They will, But we're not magnifying ourselves. We're magnifying him. For he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. That's the one we serve and that's the one we love. Hallelujah. Now, what does that mean? Well, back in the Old Testament, it tells you that when a curse comes, it comes to the third and fourth generation. Now, I've, I've talked to a lot of alcoholics in my several years back. And nine times out of ten, most people who are an alcoholic have a condition having to do with either their father was one or even their grandfather was one. That following that generational line, that follows a generational line. But i got news for you. Some people believe in generational curses. But I believe in the generational blessing. So if the curse comes in the third and the fourth generation, I believe that the fourth and the fifth generation, or until Jesus comes, then the blessing of the Lord is upon us right now. Right now. We have it right now that God has replaced his blessing in our hearts and in our lives. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's going to get stronger. I feel the anointing of the Lord moving right now. I feel his glory moving right now. I feel his presence moving in right now. Whatever you need, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that has receives. That's where it's at right there. Receiving. So in that fourth and fifth generation of Jesus comes, we're going to praise the Lord. We shall praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. That praise comes outside of. And here, here, here are just a few words in Hebrew having to do with the word praise. Now, here in English, we can use other things. We, we, you know, when we use love, you can love your wife as much as you do a hot dog because there's no distinction between that love. Now, in other languages, love, especially in Greek, there's four different words for love. You can study that. But here, in the Hebrew, when it talks about praise, I want to deal with several different words having to do with praise. The first one we're going to deal with is halal. Halal has to do with your boasting in God. What do you mean by that? 
I mean, you're telling everybody and anyone around you all the things he's done for you, how he saved your soul, how he's healed your body, how you filled you with the Holy Ghost, how he's delivered you, whatever you've been into, how he set you free. That talks about boasting in God. We're not boasting in ourselves. We're boasting in God. We boast in his name. Halal. The second one is Halal. H-A-L-L. H-A-L-L-E-L which means the continuation of praise. In Psalm 34, it talks about the praise will continually be in my mouth. Psalm 34 and 1, the continuation of praise. And what you're doing, you're looking back, thanking God from where he brought you from to where you're going to be. Amen. The projection, the projection of God in your soul, in your spirit, that God will catapult you through anything, through any darkness, through the problem, through the need, through the desire. He catapults us right through to the other side. Oh, I hope you're feeling that right now because that's what God's doing. He's catapulting us in the spirit, moving us to go live stronger, a little higher. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, I might have touched on this for a little bit, but anyway, it's kind of funny because I was in Chula Vista, down, down there, in a, just close to Mexico. And down in Chula Vista, I was preaching, and I was having interpreted from English to Spanish, and I started talking about that there's one here that has to do with the fact I made it pretty close to that one side there, and it's called Tehila. Instead of saying Tehila, I said Tequila. And those Spanish people started laughing. They fell out of their chair just about. They said, what a man said, what a man up there preaching such a great and wonderful message. And he talked about the kilo. What's wrong with it? He said, loca de cabeza, which that means you're crazy in the head. And so, so what I was saying, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, okay, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I, it, it's T-E-H-I-L-L-A-H which means a song that comes out of your spirit. It's a song you've never heard. It's a song that comes at midnight. It's a song that God puts down deep in your spirit. It's a song that God has put inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. That's what God does. Now, for that, let's look at a few scriptures here. Look at uh, Psalm 33. In Psalm 33, again, we see how this Tehillah is operative. 33 and verse 3, sing unto him a new song. That's what we're talking about right there. We're talking about a song of praise. It's a new song. It's not an old song. It's a new song. It's a song that God has created inside your spirit. And when you sing it, it's a song of deliverance. It's a song of power. It's a song of glory. It's a song of magnifying and praising and worshiping the Lord God. It's a song that comes from deep on the inside. That's the song that God wants to hear come from. It you can't carry two. And I'm not the best in carrying one anyway. I can't carry it even a mile. You know what I mean? So, having to do with the fact that God puts the song inside of you. Uh, Psalm 96. Psalm 96. In the 96th Psalm, it tells us again of that word Tehillah talking about the fact that it's a new song. Yeah, here it goes. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord on the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonder among all the people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared. That's a godly fear. Above all gods. That means all God outside of God himself. All the gods of the nation are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Wow. You ought to get that 96 psalm, put it inside your spirit, and read it every day, understand it every day, and notice exactly what it's talking about. Talking about how, how beautiful it is that God gives us a new song. Psalm 98. Again, oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. It tells them all how he has victory, the victory that he's given. Down to verse 4, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp, with the voice of song, with the trumpet, the sound of the cornet. That's the song that he ain't. All the different areas of music and things of that nature. So it was singing to the Lord, it's, a, it's that song. It's that song that comes to your spirit and it moves the very heart of God. 
Psalm 147. Psalm 147. In Psalm 147, just to make three psalms off of the very fact of 150, and uh, it has, again, it speaks about the fact of praising the Lord, blessing his name, talking about the things that he has done, how great he is, mm, the different ways we sing unto him. We bless his name. We praise him. It's good for us to sing to the Lord. tells us how to sing to the Lord. All of that and more. He takes pleasure in those that fear him. And all the things that God does, you get that whole psalm right there, talks about what he has done for us. That's an amazing thing. Okay, then we have one called Yada, Y-A-D-A-H, which means worshiping with extended hands. Now, what we're talking about here, we're not talking about a situation of putting a gun to the back of his head, put your hands up, you know, reach for the sky. No, I believe this, that this kind of worship with extended hands is like when you're a little child and you run into daddy's arms. The daddy is waiting for you. You're just running as hard as fast as you can, runs up there and jumping into daddy's arms. That's what I see this about. Yada. When we praise God, we're not to praise God with half mass. That means you're dead. That's a sign of death. So it's a time to worship and to praise and to magnify and bless and honor him. And then, of course, Zamar, Z-A-M-A-R, has to do playing skillfully to God with on a musical instrument. Did you hear that? The musical instruments. Psalm 150 talks about it. What did you have? You praise him with the sound of the trumpet, praise him with a psaltery and harp, praise him with a timbrel and dance, praise him with string instruments and organs, praise him upon the loud cymbals, praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Well, everything that hath breath, praise the Lord, praise you the Lord. That in itself is the power, is the majesty, what God is doing right now causing his glory and his blessing to come upon us and overtake us. Hallelujah. But this is the one I like right here that we're going to deal with. This specifically is Shabbat. S-H-A-B-A-H. Oh, my, my, my. Now, in doing this, we've got to show you some things. Turn to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. And we read of such a mighty deliverance that God gave Israel, Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I know we can stay there quite a while, but anyway, it has to do with this. That notice that when God says, set yourself, he said the same thing to Moses. He said the same thing to Joshua. And Moses saw the victory of God. Joshua saw the victory of God. And now King Hezekiah, here in the 20th chapter, there's three enemies coming against Israel, the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and the different ones that he called against, Mount Seir. And all of these people were against him in great number. On the, by Syria, being head of Tamar, which is in Gedi. And verse 3, Joshua feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout on Judah. Judah gathered themselves together and asked help of the Lord, even after all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now, we'll leave that part there. You can read all the things they're talking about. Let's go down to verse 14. After doing all of this, verse 14, then upon Jehaziel. Now, Jehaziel is an unknown prophet, but he is the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Zeal, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite, the son of Asaph, the son of the Asaphs, they were connected to the fact that they were psalmists before the Lord, that they were singers before God, and we even have some of the psalms written by Asaph and his sons. Came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. Notice that's a capital S. What are we dealing with? We're dealing with Trinity now. We're dealing with the power of Almighty God and speaking about the fact of a capital S, speaking about the Holy Spirit power and the spirit of the Lord in the middle of the congregation. And this is what he said. He said, listen, all Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem, you King Jehoshaphat, for thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid, nor dismayed by the reason of the great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. 
Then he begins to prophesy and tell them where they're going to meet to this battle, where the battle's going to be. He said, you go down against them, and they come up a cliff called Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness is around. And you will not need to fight in this battle. You are to set yourself. Oh, ho, set yourself. Stand still. Now, notice what it said. Set yourself. Stand still. And what do you do after that? See the salvation of the Lord. O Judah, Jerusalem, fear not, be dismayed. Tomorrow you're going to go out soon. The Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat the king bowed his head and his face to the ground. And all Judah and half of Jerusalem fell before the Lord. They worshipped the Lord. Now, the Levites, that's the priesthood, of the children of the Korahites, the children of the Korites, what did they do? They stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. Ah, then they rose early in the morning and went forth to the wilderness to go on. As they went forth, the Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear, O Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, so ye shall be established. Believe his prophets, so you shall prosper. And when he consulted with the people, he appointed singers. Now look at verse 21. He appointed singers. So even before the militia, before the army went out, he put singers in front of the army. And he put these singers. And that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And he went out before the army and he said, praise the Lord. Now what did he say? Praise the Lord for his mercy and his friend. And notice, you see, we have a lot of people today who believe God is going to do everything for you. But no, he's not. Because he required of them for them to do something. And the Bible says, when they, when they began to sing and to praise the Lord. You know, there are a lot of people out there who want you to pray, want you to praise, want you to worship, want you to do everything, and they'll sit back and watch you. Now, the church is not called the watcher. It's the doer. It's the doer. It's the hearer and the doer. We hear the word of the Lord, and then we do the word of the Lord. It's not just watching what's going to take place. That's not the way it works. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set up ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, Masir, which would come against Judah. And they were smitten. Well, what is another word for smitten? They were whipped. <laughs> they really got whipped bad. And when that took place, they looked over the multitude, and they were dead bodies, fallen to the earth, and not escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people taken away the spoil of them, and they found in them abundance of both riches in the bodies and the precious jewels, which they stripped off of them, more than they could carry. And they were three days in gathering the spoil because it was so much. Oh, my, 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 my. Three days of blessing. Three days. Took them, took them three days to do that. But here's the beautiful thing right here. You notice in the scripture, it talks about a valley of better chop. Well, usually in the valley, talking about that, even in the valley of Baca, things of that nature. So God brought them into the valley of blessing. They call it. They call it. You have to call things. For there, they bless the Lord. Therefore, the name of the place is Berachah, the Valley of Blessing. He wants to do that for his people and cause that to take place in their lives. Now, we looked here at Chronicles, but let's look back here just a little bit here. This is in Exodus, having to do with the fact that when God took back the Red Sea, rolled it back, and uh, notice what happened. The same word was said to them. And uh, Moses was the one that said this word in verse 13 of chapter 14. Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see them again, no more forever. And the Lord will fight for you, and you will hold your peace. Now, basically we could be saying, spiritually we could be saying, shut thy trap because if you don't say that you start speaking the wrong thing you have walked in the area where the enemy he magnifies things he causes things to come against you and tries to reconstruct 
the problem that's already there. But Moses prophesied. He said, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What happened? Now, the next day, after that, when God started working on them, he wanted Israel to get in the middle of the Red Sea so that he could enclose the sea upon Pharaoh and his chariots. And somebody said, oh, there weren't too many there. Well, I beg to differ with it. Because here's what it says. Pharaoh was so angry at them, in verse 7, he took 600 chosen chariots, all the chariots of Egypt, all the chariots of Egypt, and the captains over every one of them. So God destroyed over 600 chariots and the men there and the captains over every one. Now, what happened after that? That took place. This is so powerful. And when Israel saw, when Israel saw, when God pulled back, and let the waters come back again. The waters returned, verse 28. It returned and covered the chariots, and the horsemen and the host of Pharaoh came. In fact, there was no one remaining there. No one. Not, not even anyone. No one. Because it looked down to verse 31. And Israel saw the great work that the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So when they saw the Egyptians were dead upon the seashore, that was it. And then all the way through, you're talking about Moses, then you're talking about Joshua, now we're talking about King Jehoshaphat. So God set a precedent here that when you stand in a certain place and you're not going to be moved because God told you to be there, the answer will always be there, the blessing will always be there, the anointing of God will always be there, his favor will always be there, and you watch what God does. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Hallelujah. Now, we come to another section here. What we're talking about, we're talking about praise. We have reasons to praise God. Why should we praise the Lord? Now, we could stay on this quite some time, but we're going to just give it to you and give you scripture, and then you, you can look it up a little bit later. The reasons for praise. Number one, praising God for who he is. Now, we praise God for who he is, not what he does for us, how he helps us, how he... No, no, none of that at all. We praise God for who he is. You read over there in Psalm 139. It talks about the creation of man. It talks about all the... We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We praise God for who he is. And then, we praise God for his name, for all the names that God has so powerful and so wonderful, so glorious, that we can see through the Bible how many times his name has been there. And God has done this in such a way that there should be no discussion at all that their people will worship and praise and magnify knowing our great God, knowing and loving, praising for his name. Then you praise him for his power. This is found in Psalm 21 and verse 3, praising for his power. See, God is love, but he has power. He has power, but he chooses to be called, he is the God of love. His love is great. He pulls us in. He causes his blessing to come to us. Then, the reason to praise God is for his wonders. His wonders. Now, I've seen various things in the last few years having to do with things in the sky uh, many times. In fact, here in Florida, we were on the beach one time, and, and there was several things that happened there in that particular direction, that there were three rainbows or rings. Are there rings around the sun? Yeah, three rings around the sun. As these rings were being described at we looked up there, and other people were watching the same thing. I haven't seen it since. This is over in Daytona Beach area. And God wants to display his glory. So you might try to move it aside and say, well, well you know, that doesn't happen all the time. Well, that, maybe that's true. But he does show mankind his wonders. He does show mankind how great and how wonderful he is. It shows by the covenant, by the very covenant that he made. Uh, all the way back in Genesis when he said the world will not be destroyed again by water. And that's why he said, I set my bow in the sky. That means the rainbow. 
So every time, brother and sister, as you see the rainbows around you after the rain, you need to jump up and thank God. Say, oh, thank you, Lord. You put your bow in the sky. We all get so excited about that. So many colors there. How beautiful it is. A beautiful rainbow after a heavy rain. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Did you realize that even in heaven, the rainbow's in heaven? I could take you to read scripture, show that we're not going to go over there right now. But heaven, it does talk about the rainbow. It talks about the different lights and the things of heaven. How resplendent it is and how wonderful it is. But all that came through the covenant God made. And not only God made a covenant with, he made a covenant with David. Look over here in Psalm 89. And uh, he made a covenant with his chosen. He said, uh, having to do with the fact and talking about that, we're going to get down to verse 3, but uh, starting there, he said, I will sing of the mercy of the Lord forever with my mouth will I make known my faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up by faithfulness established in the very heavens. Established in the heavens. He said, I have made my covenant with my chosen. I have sworn it to David, my servant. So God made a covenant with David. And sometimes, in our hearts and lives, we have to understand this, that God is a covenant-making God. In fact, one of these times we want to speak on the covenants of God, because there, there's so many things that God said in specific to covenant, how that we're covenant. Actually, one of the things that's exciting about that, we're under the covenant of his blood. When Jesus died on the cross, we're under that covenant, that holy covenant, that righteous covenant. And pretty soon we're going to be taking the Holy Communion, and that has to tie in. With the covenant that God gives us in regard to his son, in regard to what he did for us. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So we see the wonders, the wonders that God speaks about. And then later on, he talked about the fact that, that he makes a covenant. He said, I will never, he said, whatever comes out of my mouth, and in verse 34, my covenant will I not break or alter or change the thing that's gone out of my lips. Oh, hallelujah. When God has a word for you and speaks that word down deep in your spirit, it just stays down in there and holds it down there until it's been revealed. And after the revelation comes, he'll give you more. You just don't have to hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it. Release it and let it go and let God do what he wants to do in your life. Amen. So we're talking about the wonders. Then we're talking about his loving kindness. We sing songs about loving kindness. We talk about Thank God for his loving kindness. God is gracious. His loving kindness. How he cares, how he understands, how he loves us with an everlasting love. Oh, my, my, my. To know the love of our God. You know, I know most Christians, they all know the song. And that song is Amazing Grace. You know the writer of that song? His name was John Newton. Did you realize that that's one who penned that song? was a criminal, that he was a pirate, he was a hater of God, he did many terrible, I mean crazy things, weird things, demon-possessed things. But here's what happened. John Newton ran away from his house because they were preaching God all the time, and so he decided to be a rebel. He went and joined the forces. He went and got himself, and he put himself on ships, and he traveled all over the world. Now, the ship that he was on was crossing one of the most treacherous areas of the bodies of water. That's where the Indian Sea comes together. And the other great sea comes together and causes tremendous volumes of, of, you know, the waves would come over the ship. And so the ship was about ready to be broken up. And John Newton said, God, I'm a sinner. If you save me, I will serve you forever. And at that moment, at that moment, history records that the, the seas, peace, they stopped roaring. The ship came to land, and he was true to his covenant. And that's why we can sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. T'was blinded, but now I see. We have people in the world sing that song. But to be really singing it, you've got to be born again. You've got to know Jesus, the Son of the living God, who died for you at Calvary and arose victoriously. Hallelujah. 
That's the one that we serve. We've got to praise him for all the works that he has done. Psalm 145, 145. I love the word of God. That's why I give you so many scriptures, because I believe they will encourage you and lift you up. Psalm 145, and we'll read. I will extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. I will praise thy name forever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And in his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. Powerful words. So we praise him for the very works that he has done. In Psalm 107, we see we praise him because his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. His mercy endureth forever. That's a long, long time, isn't it? His mercy endureth forever. You look over here in Psalm 107. That's what it says. His mercy endureth forever. It can continually, continually. This is a psalm of thanksgiving. Psalm 107 is the psalm of thanksgiving. In verse 8, oh, that men would praise the Lord, his goodness, his, his works, his wonderful men. He, he talks about that how his works are talking to the children of men. Then he goes on to say, in verse 8, he says that. In verse 15, he said, oh, that men would praise the Lord, his goodness, his wonderful works, the children of men. It tells all the things that happened there, what took place. Verse 22, he said, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Down to verse 31. In verse 31, it says the same thing. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. And then I like this last part here in verse 32. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. <laughs> and then he talks about all the things that he has done. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. This is so good. It's so great. It's so wonderful that we could speak on this continually. It tells us in Psalm 100, verse 4, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, to his courts with praise. That's how you come in. Don't come in with a list. Come in with your love. Say, Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father. We just thank God for what he's doing in our hearts and lives today and what he wants to do in and through that. Oh, praising him, praising him, praising him, praising him, praising him. Psalm 149. It says, let the high praises be in my mouth and two-edged sword in my hand. Then it goes on to say, to bind up the spiritual kings with chains and to execute on those spirit forces. Judgment from the almighty God. So as we praise God, we're setting a precedence. We're setting this. This is one thing that God has placed before us. We can praise the Lord. Did you realize, friend, that when you're in heaven, angels are going to come around and they're going to ask questions. They say, what does it mean about salvation? We don't know anything about it. We hear about it. We see men that have had it. We see the children of men that have had it. Talk to us about salvation. And our eyes will fill up with tears. And we'll be able to tell them what God has done for us, how he saved us how he made us free, how he cleansed us by his blood. We'll be able to talk about that to the angels of God. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. Now, here's our commission. This is what we're called to do. We as God's people, we're called to do this. It says this. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. It says, by him, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I'll say that again. So powerful. Hebrews 13, verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Friend, if you're not saved, today is the day of salvation. This is the appointed time. 
Say these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I thank you for setting me free. I thank you that your blood cleanses me from every sin in my body, in my mind, in my heart, in every part of my being. I'm free by the blood of Jesus. I'm free by the blood of Jesus. One more time. I'm free by the blood of Jesus. I thank you right now that I receive you into my life as my Savior and Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that today I'm born again. Today my heart has been changed. Today I make heaven my home. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible tells us by, by the believing of our hearts, by what we say from our mouth, we're born again. We're changed. We can do that. We shall have that. What I'd like to do right now, I'd like to take you to the Holy Communion. And in doing that, we'll go to the New Testament. And we will read a passage of Scripture here. This is talking specifically about the communion. And it's so great. It's so wonderful. This is 1 Corinthians. And we will read to In the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, to get your emblems ready, we will take the Holy Communion. Then we will have a prayer. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the anointing on me right now. I tell you, the anointing of God is so strong. Boy, I ain't like that. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I glorify you. Hallelujah. If you've got pain in your body right now, put your hand where that pain is. It has to go. It cannot stay. Right now, pain, come out of your body. Right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This is in verse 23. For I have received of the Lord... That which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, said, This cup is the new testament in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it. As oft as you drink it. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh in damnation himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep premature death. But we have judged ourselves, we shall not be judged. When we're judged, we're chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the word. May the Lord have the blessings of the reading of his word. We're going to receive this right now. So if you would take your bread, I'll give you a little time. Take your bread, and I will distribute the bread at this time. My wife Karen is here. She's going to help me out here. God bless you, honey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Hallelujah. I want you to take the bread that you have in your hand. Hold it. The Bible says that this is the living bread. Jesus is the living bread. Healing is the children's bread. Father God, we want to thank you for allowing your son Jesus to suffer the punishment that he did on the cross. The stripes upon his back for our healing. The different wounds that he had taken upon his body. All the things that took place on Calvary, we thank you that his body was broken for us. Isaiah said, by his stripes we are healed. In the New Testament, it says, by your stripes we were healed. Therefore, we agree that we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us. We thank you for those eternal wounds. And now we celebrate by taking the bread and receive it to ourselves right now. Shall we give? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. 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 Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus.
And the Bible says, then he took the cup. Take the cup that you have in your hand. Hold it. Father God, we want to thank you again. That is the blood of Jesus that has set us free. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses our minds. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses our hearts. Whatever attack has been coming to our minds, we rebuke it in Jesus' name by the blood. You come against every evil thought, evil plan of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, we're free by your blood. We thank you for shedding your blood. We thank you for making us free. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Shall we drink together? Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Is there anyone that would like to ask a question at this time or have a prayer or anything like that? We would like to do that. Praise and ask the blessing of the Lord upon you at this time. If you'd like to do that, I would be happy to receive it. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. We enjoyed it so much. Yes, it's been... Yes. Okay. Oh, I was going to say, um, it's been wonderful. My goodness, I, the minute I, I took communion, I, I, I got hit with a joy. It's really the anointing is very, very strong here. <laughs> That's it. It's joy and speakable and full of glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's been wonderful. You and remember, remember that when the Holy Spirit came on them, they were drunk in the Holy Ghost. And when we take the Holy Communion, we can have the same joy that they had in Acts chapter 2. <laughs> it can flow over us in such an abundance. Because God doesn't do things in little ways. He does things in big ways. And he causes his children to rejoice in him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I was, I was wondering, I do have a question. Um, okay was about the examining yourself and um, if, if a person has, you know how we all have issues, like for example, if, if a person is going through an issue but they're, they're actually trying on other things, but what does it mean exactly by examining yourself? Uh, could you please elaborate on that and maybe help me and others understand yeah, that? I want more? you to say that again so I understand what you're talking about. So, so oh. would, would you repeat that, please? Sure. When a person, yeah. when, when the Bible speaks about somebody examining their, themselves before they take part in communion so they don't take it in, in an unworthy manner, um, what exactly does that talk about um, meaning? Uh, exactly? Okay, basically... When, when you have a number of churches, especially in the religious churches, communion, I don't see them ever holding at any time that they bow their head or ask anything like that. They just go ahead and do it. So it becomes more of a tradition than it is a reality. And that is very, very, very dangerous because what we have taken, we've taken the body and the blood of the Lord and kind of relegated to is common, uh, you know, like happening again and again and again. And so we need to be very careful. And so when we take the Holy Communion, you can call it the Eucharist or whatever you want to call it, when you take that, our hearts have to be in the position, moving our hearts towards heaven. So if you take that very lightly, and, and uh, you know, more churches, they like to take that communion possibly at the end of the service. I like to do it at the front of the service. Mm. Yeah, like like someone told me one time, it's the icing on the cake. I said, no, it's the cake and the icing too. It's all <laughs> of it. Yeah, it's the whole nine yards. So uh, we know that Smith Wigglesworth, that he received the Holy Communion every day. He took the Holy Communion every day. Because it says in the word there, as oft as you eat of the bread and drink of this cup, as many times as you do that. And if you have that inside your heart, that the Lord specifically speaks to your heart to do that, then that would be a good thing to do. Then we can receive the Holy Communion every day if we choose to do so. But we cannot never let it become like blasé. And we can never let it come to a point in time in our hearts and lives where, where it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's a common thing to do. 
we can never allow that to happen. So when we hold this, when this comes together, that God wants us to, to remember, to praise, to magnify, and usually during those times, too, that the Holy Spirit, his, his light will shine upon us, and we will see the things that we need to repent of, and then he will show us how we should speak this out and what we should do. Okay? Does that answer your question? Yes, very much so. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. It's just, it's, uh, it's, I'm so blessed by these, these uh, times that we have together. They're teaching me so much, and the anointing is so strong in here. It's just wonderful. <laughs> right. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Yes, amen. We have well, some other callers, but we're a bit shy. <laughs> the Bible says yeah. what? I'm sorry. The Bible says... Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And when we confess the Word of God in strength and in power, that's where liberty reigns. That's what he wants to do in our hearts and lives. He wants to reign, be in control. So we release that control to him. It says where, the location, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Blessed be his wonderful name. Amen. He's worthy to be praised. <laughs> Amen. All those listening right now, I want to say a prayer over you. I want the blessing of the Lord to come upon you and through you. Father God, I want to thank you again for giving us the strength and giving us wisdom in order to speak your word in order to share with our wonderful friends the word that you put inside of our hearts. And we thank you that you will save their unsaved ones, our loved ones. You will save those people that work with him. Father God, we pray that a mighty move of your spirit shall touch their hearts and lives, that you will heal their bodies, and that you will set them free of any encumbrances that the enemy might try to place upon them. We thank you for the word. We thank you for the life. We thank you for your glory. And in Jesus' name, we proclaim liberty to everyone that listens to this broadcast. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I receive that. (laughs) Amen, amen, amen.
come to celebrate America held at the daughters of the American Revolution Constitution Hall for the first three weeks in July. Celebrate America is going to be a spiritual invasion of a Jesus kind. Your nation is counting on you. The only hope for America is another great spiritual awakening. Celebrate America is July the 1st through the 19th, nightly meeting at 7 p.m. and then mass evangelism in the mornings on the streets. Enlist today for free at CelebrateAmericaDC.com. CelebrateAmericaDC.com. You, you can, you, you know, if you're anywhere in the Washington, D.C. area or close by or even anywhere in the world and you feel led by the Lord to go to Washington, D.C., it's going to be a powerful, anointed time. And if you can't do that, you can watch, you can tune in right now to CTN, Christian Television Network. Uh, that the services are going to be live from Tuesday through Saturday, seven through seven thirty through eight thirty p.m. Or you can watch the entire service replay from eleven thirty to two thirty a.m. Uh, on CTN. Also on July fourth, CTN will air it live from seven thirty to ten p.m. And additionally, if you if you can join uh, live on Revival.com right now, they're going to be playing it from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. All these times are Eastern Standard Time. So that's a, um, a it started tonight. It's going to be Tuesday through Saturday uh, from July 1st through the 5th, July 8th through the 12th, July 15th through the 19th. And uh, so that's at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, so if you can tune into those places, or you can either go there. And if you have any uh, prayer requests, just write to Fire Talk Radio, and then the number two is the email address. Uh, I'm sorry, Fire Talk Radio, the number two at yahoo.com is the address for the email. And the prayer line you can call tonight, just tell them you've been listening on the radio and you'd like to have some prayer, just call one eight six six five seven four eight three seven, or that's eight six six eight five river r i v e r, and a website for where our um, the church we go to is revival dot com. That's r e v i v a l dot com. And service times that are usual, our usual service times are Sunday at 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Sundays, and then Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursday prayer at 7 p.m. And um, let me see if there's anything else I've missed. I'm not, I, and join us next Monday at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time for our regular show at Fire Talk Radio or for Tuesday the Gathering Bible the the Kingdom Gathering Bible study at six o'clock on Tuesdays. And you can call six four six 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 eight two zero nine three to be a part of that Bible study on the radio on a caller or you can listen online here. And we really look forward to, to being with you again. Know that you are loved, you are valuable, and you're accepted in the beloved. Until we meet again.